Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It is Monday, and as we do on most Mondays, we're talking with Rod Mullins here about NASCAR. Usually when we talk on Mondays, we're talking about a race that concluded either on a Saturday or a Sunday, but because of rain, the race at Dover this week didn't conclude until today. So, Rod, uh, the, the race got red flagged yesterday um, uh, and then uh, finished today. Chase Elliott with the win. How did things wrap up? Uh, Elliott and um, uh, one of his Hendrick teammates were were in the lead when things got uh, pushed to today, and Elliott was able to break a long winless streak to get the get in the winner's circle. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, this has been one of those things as the season has gone on. A lot of people, even going back to last season, were asking, "Is Chase Elliott going to win another race? Uh, is he going to have the potential of winning another race?" You know, he's been there in the top five. He's been there in the top 10, but <clears throat> is he going to win another race? Well, today he definitely proved all of his critics that he could win a race as he led 73 out of 400 laps in this race. And of course they called it yesterday with 78 laps, uh, into the, into the race. And then they red flagged it because of the rain and then started it back at about 12 o'clock this evening. And, uh, they got it in, which, uh, the weather was great, uh, in the Dover, Delaware area to get this race in. But, you know, it, there were some, uh, there were some key things that happened in this race. Uh, I gotta tell you, uh, I think they had somewhere on the neighborhood of something like 17 caution flags, uh, for the course of this race. Uh, Anybody from Denny Hamlin who went out of the pits and ended up losing a tire, losing a wheel completely off of his car after a pit stop. I'm sure somebody's going to get fined there this week uh, when they come up with the NASCAR um uh, points and the finding and everything else that NASCAR will pass down. Ricky Stenhouse, a lot of people were saying he was going to have to have a good performance this kind of race because he needs to be looking in his rearview mirror to find out if somebody's coming for his job because Stenhouse has been competitive in some races this year, but he has not been as competitive as he could be, or he has been in the seasons past, but he placed second in this race, uh, put the number 47 JTG Daughtery racing Chevrolet there in the second Ross Chastain taking third. Christopher Bell with another great performance, finishing up fourth, and Alex Bowman, his uh, Chase Elliott's teammate, rounding out the top five. And the race ended up finishing on a caution flag uh, after Martin Truex. He spun out in a last lap contest for third place with Chastain, and unfortunately, he was on the losing end of it as Chastain still manages to come across the stripe in third, and, uh, well, Martin ends up finishing 12th out of that race. So uh, it was a roundabout day for Denny Hamlin, 67 laps leading uh, in the race, and then his day went south, like I mentioned, when his car lost a wheel at the Stage 1 pit stop. Uh, after the Stage 1 pit stop, Hamlin then started Stage 2 in 29th place. He had rallied to fourth when he got caught up in another wreck. Cody Ware spin on lap 240. And he continued after repairs to his car's right side damage and finished 21st one lap down. He was as much as two or three laps down at one point and managed to get a couple of those laps back. And Kyle Larson, um, he had a stage two spin. He managed to recover, finished sixth in the race. 
but you know, he, he had a rough weekend, I think at Bristol running in the world of outlaws, he was running in the world of outlaws this past weekend. And he was caught on the radio, uh, ranting and raving over saying something about, uh, it's no good if you change the rules midway through the race. Now, I don't know what that was all about. I'll have to read up a little bit on it, but it sounds like things didn't go Kyle's way over the weekend down in Bristol. <laughs> Do things ever go his way though? No, I mean, well, you know, things have gone his way, you know, in the positive side, you know, he's got with Hendrick Motorsports, but, you know, here we are, you know, we're talking, when we say Kyle, we're talking about Kyle Larson here. Immediately, some people might think Kyle Busch, what else has he got to complain about? Well, you know, Kyle Larson, he had something to complain about uh, over the weekend at Bristol at the World of Outlaws Racing. So I'm going to find out what it was, what was going on about that. But uh, definitely interesting racing uh, taking place at Dover today. So uh, Dover, you mentioned Dover. Let's talk about Dover for a second. Um, for, for a long time, uh, gosh, long time being close to 50 years, mm-hmm. Dover had two races a, a season. And now, uh, after being bought out by Speedway Motorsports, it's just got one race. And right. I guess there's a question about the future. Uh, it, it, what, what, what are you hearing about, uh, you know, Dover and its future on the NASCAR schedule? There were a lot of people that were saying this was a make or break race for Dover this coming weekend. Um, whether or not it's going to be as impressive enough to, for NASCAR to say, let's put another date there at Dover. You know, Dover is a nice track. I mean, Dover is essentially a Bristol that's stretched out to a mile. It's a, you know, a mile all the way around to the track and it's concrete. Uh, but you know, it seems to be Hendrick has had, uh, has had a lot of success there at that track before Jimmy Johnson had won a couple of races there before. I think Jeff Gordon had even won two or three races, uh, there at Dover. So it's, it's primarily been a Hendrick favored track, but you know, with this whole thing about buying up and, uh, you know, Kentucky Speedway, that's another one that's, uh, owned by Speedway Motorsports. Uh, you know, we saw one race there last year. Uh, it's kind of making some room. They're trying to make some inroads into some other areas. And particularly, I think what's going on is everybody's trying to get in there and get into Nashville to where they can get the old fairground speedway back going again. And they're, they're working out the details. They've got an approval in place from, from the mayor of Nashville, but we're still looking at some of these tracks that have not performed well over the last few years, uh, the crowd hasn't been that much of a factor in some of these races. Uh, they're looking at different things and I hate to say it. Speedway Motorsports is doing the same thing as what they did with, uh, North Wilkesboro and also with Rockingham. Eventually it's choking some of those legendary tracks off of the circuit. And Dover to me is one of those legendary tracks. That's kind of, you know, you're kind of playing there with the Mason Dixon line, so to speak. You're, you're kind of introducing a little bit more of that Southern sport to the North a little bit more. And, uh, here in the last few years, it's, it's kind of been a boring race at, at Dover and today, well, Chase Elliott made a race of it there toward the very end and some of the other things that happened, but, um, yeah, we're going to find out what's going to happen probably about. Mm, halfway through or maybe about three quarters of the way into the season. We'll find out if Dover's going to be back on the schedule again for next year. You, you talked about Denny Hamlin a moment or two ago. Um, not a good week for Denny Hamlin <laughs> leading up to the race. And then of course what happened at Dover, but um, he's headed to sensitivity training. Uh, what's the latest in the fallout for, for Denny with uh, the posting of that, um, that video, the edited video that uh, landed him in a lot of hot water. 
Well, I, I just think he's just, he's one of these drivers that, uh, you know, uses social media, maybe to the extreme or a little bit more than what he should. And he may have thought it was okay. They, they asked Kyle Larson about this and Kyle Larson was like, well, it doesn't bother me. You know, he's, he's entitled to it. Kyle Larson has to tread very lightly where he's at because, you know, of course, he got in trouble here a year or so ago or two years ago when he uh, used the um, the expletive, if you want to call it that, but he used the uh, negative reference uh, on about a racer on uh, iSports or iRacing, and it led to him being suspended for a year. Uh, ended up he lost all of his sponsorship out of it, and I think that's one reason why he's had such a rough time getting some sponsorship back uh, uh, per se with, uh, Hendrick motorsports. They're running the HendrickCars.com uh, website on there. They've also ran some Valvoline and some other sponsors on there at one point or another, but he doesn't have a full-time ride. Somebody that's going to go and pop down enough money for 24 to 30 races in the season, uh, for Denny Hamlin, um, he's getting a, a wake up call. I think, I think he's getting a wake up call because, uh, Denny says a lot of things, uh, off the top of his head. Um, sort of like some of us out there, you know, we kind of say things off the top of our head and then we realize, oops, I can't go and put it back into my mouth after I've already said it. And, uh, I think he's, he's kind of paying the price NASCAR wanting to punish him out of that. And so I guess that was the reason why the sensitivity training, I was kind of surprised. I thought they might suspend him for a couple of races, maybe not as long as what they did for Kyle Larson, but would suspend him for maybe a couple of races out of it until he, you know, made his first attempt at sensitivity training, but NASCAR is going to make him go through the training regardless. And he's going to be racing all the way through until he has another slip up. Um, hopefully he won't, but who knows in this sport, the way it goes. Yeah. I kind of thought he might get a similar uh, suspension as Larson as well, because, yeah. you know, when I first read about the, the controversy, I thought, Oh, it's just a tweet, you know, what mm -hmm. can it be? And then I watched the little video and it's like, Whoa, yeah. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. especially because it was very particular to the end of the race a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it's one thing to poke fun at another guy, but you know, th th with that sing song voice that was in the, in the little clip, um, yeah, that, that, and, and then he even says, I mean, I, I got a quote sitting here. I thought it was hilarious. Also it's insensitive. I understand that now. How did you not understand that when you tweeted it? <laughs> yeah, that's, that kind of puzzles me. And, you know, Denny, Denny Hamlin feels like he's. He's got a lot to prove now. You know, he's not won a championship. He's the only one of those drivers, except for Christopher Bell in the uh, Joe Gibbs racing stable that hasn't won a, a championship in NASCAR. And he's trying hard to win one. But, you know, when you make mistakes like this and then you have problems happen today, like what they did in the wheel fall off after the stage one uh, pit stop and you're coming out of the pits and it falls off. Uh, yeah, your racing the season is not going uh, the best and some of the best ways it can. And so Denny Hamlin going to have to just learn. I mean, he's going to have to learn from that great interior secretary we had at one time in the United States, uh, James Watt, what was it? The foot in the mouth award that they would give to people for <laughs> James Watt foot in the mouth award. They're going to have to come up with something. The, uh, the Denny Hamlin tweet award is what it's going to have to be when it comes NASCAR awards time. I mean, that's just, it was a little bit uncalled for. So uh, NASCAR heads to Darlington this uh, next weekend, down, going down to South Carolina, another traditional track, uh, Sunday at 3.30.
What can we look forward to uh, as the series heads down to uh, SC? Throwback, throwback, throwback. We're going to be seeing guys in probably polyester suits. Uh, yeah, that that's my, no, I, that would not be my fashion statement if I had passes to go there, uh, especially not in hot South Carolina weather is probably what will be down there. I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to be uh, chafing myself and having to go get cream afterwards for all this stuff. But these guys love this thing. They love this thing of the throwback weekend because we'll see some of the most unique uh, paint schemes on these cars when they go at uh, Darlington. This was one of those races that was reserved for Labor Day weekend. They had this uh, at night uh, right at Labor Day weekend back in uh, a couple of years ago, and then they switched it up to running it in the spring. And, you know, you'll see a lot of the drivers come out. They'll either have uh, been working on a mustache, whether it be one of those uh, Ron Jeremy porn mustaches, you know, and stuff. Hey, I'm, I'm getting into this 70s stuff. You know, I'm a little <laughs> bit ahead of you on this. But uh, they're going to be wearing stuff like that. And uh, Larry McReynolds, uh, he, he wore something. Uh, he had an outfit on, I think, in one of the race hub shows. And poor old Larry. I'm telling you, you know, if he was trying to look cool, he ended up looking like Tim McConway's character, you know, Dorf on golf or something. That's the way his, his mustache looked. And I'm sorry to say that, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be a good weekend though. I, Darlington is just one of those tracks of where I just don't know, uh, you know, who to expect in the winter circle. If you can survive Darlington and get through there, uh, especially, you know, surviving, touching the track and I'm talking about the outside wall. If you can survive, uh, not putting a, a black streak down through there, the lady in black and having something and still having your car by the end of the race, you've accomplished something at Darlington because Darlington is wicked on cars. It's not your typical type of configuration of a racetrack. It kind of narrows off and then it kind of gets wide up in the, uh, the other part of the turns. So, um, anybody's guess this weekend um it would probably be a, a big win for somebody um it'd be a big win for somebody like ross chastain to come down to darlington and win that race uh you know they're hot they were uh they have been the talk about uh with everybody here this past week two out of the last 10 races some people might say that's not impressive but to me it's impressive for an upstart race team that uh, started essentially from nothing and what they had of chip ganassi racing left over but uh you know this team has done tremendous and i i can't rule out also giving some credit in there to daniel suarez some people want to go and say well ross chastain is the main racer of this suarez has ran some good races over the period of time but he's just been a benefactor of just you know bad luck any other way you want to say it he's had some bad luck that's happened but i think he's going to win a race you know tyler reddick that's another good one right there tyler reddick had bad luck today he didn't finish as well as he had hoped he would uh tyler reddick loves this kind of track he you know even though it's a it's a shorter track a little bit more of a small uh smaller track maybe what dover is or about the same size um, still we're talking about it's rough and tumble racing when you get to Darlington. So we'll have a, we'll have a, I'm sure a, a, a knockout time down there in Darlington. And all this is leading up to, of course, they're going to be going to the, um, all-star race in Texas. They're going to be having that and then coming back and going to Memorial day weekend, uh, racing back at Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600. So this is kind of reaching your, 
I don't know, third of the way through the racing season, I guess, in one way, when they get through to uh, Charlotte, that's going to give them enough time to where they can look and say, all right, what are we going to have to have for this second part of this, uh, this next third of the racing season in order for us to stay competitive going into the playoffs. So Darlington will be the start of that to kind of, uh, it'll, it'll be the bellwetter, so to speak, as they're getting ready to get into this, uh, this long stretch of the summer racing. And at this stage too, I mean, the weather's getting warm, so that's going to be a, another factor for the, the the crews and the engineers and everybody to get uh, s- settled with the new cars, the new car setup and everything. But also at this stage, gosh, you've raced on uh, short tracks, you've raced mm-hmm. on a dirt track, which you won't, right. you won't do again this year, but you've raced on um, a road course and, and mm-hmm. of course the super speedways. And so now, you know, when you start heading out to the other tracks, you, you've got a sense of what you need to do each week uh, to get your car set up for that, that particular race. Exactly. And, and these guys should already be learning a whole lot out of this, of what they can do and what they can't do with this new next generation car. Um, you know, I just, I I'm again, I'm, I'm, I've been sold on it ever since it came out there and they've had it out. Uh, you know, this is the impressive thing about it. You've got a two car team and I'm back on track house racing again, but you've got a two car team and this two car team is being hauled in one trailer. They don't take up two trailers in the infield when they go to Bristol or whatever. They bring in number one, Ross Chastain's car, and then they bring in 99, Daniel Suarez's car, and they're both in the hauler. So now if something goes wrong, they've got to work like the Dickens to get that car back in shape or send for the shop and say, Hey, look, we're going to have to have another car in here because this one got tore up, uh, you know, raid the parts off of it if they have to, but you see, that's where this next generation car is. You don't have fleets of cars like you used to have with all these different kinds of, you know, short track specialty, medium track specialty, or super speedway. You could go back to a super speedway car, rip something off of that and be able to take it down to Darlington in an overnight and then be able to replace it, put the new skin on it. And then you're done. Uh, now it's not that way. It's, it's either, you know, one part has to be replaced or it's all got to be replaced one way or the other. So they don't leave a lot of room for that. So I think, um, you know, that's, that's made a difference. I think this whole car has made a difference. I don't care what Kyle Busch says about it. I don't care what some of the other drivers have said that, you know, it's, it's, it's trash or it doesn't do as well. They're doing the PR thing right now. And I think that that's one of those things of where they're trying to get some positive PR for themselves to get everybody to feel sorry for them because of that car. But there's no reason to feel sorry for them about that car. Either you can drive it or it's just not going to be ready to go on race day, one or the other. And that's, that's the way I look at it. We're talking about you when you going back to your, your comment on the the throwback uh, race weekend this weekend at Darlington, I had a couple of baseball broadcasts this weekend and uh, uh, my broadcast partner noticed that a few of the players had those, some like seventies and eighties style mustaches. And it's like, yes. they're coming back in vogue. These kids who are 19, 20 years old, who weren't alive back in the seventies and eighties. And, uh, you know, they're they're looking like Ron Jeremy or Ron Burgundy or whoever. And, and I said, OK, here's the thing. OK, the mustaches, they look cheesy. Just don't bring back the mullet. And then the, the young man who was my broadcast partner said, oh, oh, the mullet's already back, too. So, oh, yeah. Whoa, man. What, Rod, we, we grew up and we lived in that era. Um, and why are people bringing these things back again? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's and I'm not meaning to make fun of this. I don't know if it's some kind of 
mental illness or something like that that's going with I don't know. I just, I don't understand. I mean, I have kids in school that are, you know, growing the mullets out and then they're going and having perms put in their mullets back here in the back to where they're curly. And, you know, they're, they look like corkscrews is the way that they are. And, and, you know, when they walk, they flop, they just flop a little bit. Now the old mullets didn't do that. They just kind of blew in the wind a little bit, but when you walk, it's kind of like, you know, a whole thing. And, you know, I've got a friend of mine that, uh, talked about, he had a mullet at one time. He said, yeah, I had a Kentucky waterfall. And I was like, what's a Kentucky waterfall. I, I'm not up on these, these things about mullets and stuff. Ryan Blaney's had a mullet or two, I think in Ricky Stenhouse, boy, he had a mullet there for a while before he had it trimmed off. But I asked my, I asked my friend, what's a Kentucky waterfall. He says, he says, it's all business up front. And he says, party in the back. And I'm like, that is so stupid. He says, not when I was younger, it was. And I'm like, well, I'm just glad I never had anything like that. I, I would have been, I would have been drummed out of my family. If I decided to have a, uh, have a, it was wor It was bad enough. Let's just put it this way, Chris. It was bad enough when I tried to grow my hair out when I was younger and I was still in high school and my dad stopped calling me by my first name, Roderick. And he started calling me mullet or not mullet, but mop is what he started calling me. He's, he'd say, mop, go and do this. I'm like, why are you calling me mop all the time? He says, well, your hair looks like a big mop. So unless you, uh, unless you go and get it cut, you're going to have to, you, you can look that way and I'll just call you mop for the rest of this time. But I don't know this, this whole mullet thing and this, um, whole thing of, uh, mustaches and, uh, the, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of wild. It's kind of fun to watch it. You know, fun to see this stuff. It's fun to see the old, TV graphics come up when they do the old TV graphics, when NBC was doing this race in September, it was so fun to see the old peacock and the way that oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the old type and stuff, the gosh, the, the, the character generators, what they had back then and stuff, they were like awful. And then you look at everything and you have an appreciation for all this graphic artistry that they do now and, and, and stuff. And I'm just, you know, I, I kind of look back on it with a little bit of, reflection and i'm like as long as somebody has a nice richard petty style car down there as long as somebody has a very nice dale earnhardt type car uh, even a kyle petty old Meliella car the 42 if somebody had that i'd be happy but you know if you just come out there and you decide you're going to race around in a pink car around the track wait a minute i better correct myself uh doesn't daniel suarez race around the track in a pink car it's got tootsie's orchid lounge on it or something so that's a that's a throwback all year round for for daniel suarez <laughs> hey i guess it's fun if nothing else well rod as always thank you for your time and your insight we'll look forward to talking to you again next week appreciate it chris thanks